What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 96, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Tomb. The Tomb. We're an independent podcast, friends, and you, your support helps keep the thing going uh, if you wish to do so. We got a Patreon thing that folks uh, contribute to. Thank you so much, folks. Uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Every dollar received offsets Zach's computing device because we needed that a while ago and and we don't have a show if we don't have computers. Uh, and. True. Uh, we do have specialty stuff. Uh, Zach will, you will get into the specialty stuff cause that's your, your deal. But I will mention friends, uh, if you haven't already noticed, there's uh, there's special stuff up there for you. If you're a Patreon listener, we got a couple of things up there right now, uh, to enjoy and, uh, including our first, uh, rewatch episode. Yes. We, uh, we, we rewatched uh, a matter of time and talked about that. So that's on the Patreon feed. If you're interested in that, if you are intrigued and you are not currently a supporter, well, there you go. There's your reason. Um, but if you have absolutely no interest in handing over your hard earned cash, one, that is a totally respectable situation. Uh, that is a totally respectable bleh thing. Perspective. Perspective. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> But also, you don't need to worry about the content. It will be a while before we throw it up on the main feed. But we will absolutely be putting these these things up on the main feed as well. We're not we're not like that. But uh, where can you find that content? Well, you can find it with your regular old podcast aggregator. You can just find your favorite podcast app and type in "Walking Through the Stargate" and we'll pop up there. Uh, but you'll also find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts. Uh, we do uh, say, don't forget to rate and review. Um, I have been forgetting to say that for quite a while, but uh, Zach has rightly pointed out that actually helps folks find our podcast. Uh, if they're like, I'm interested in something new and I'm interested so, in Stargate, they so can just Brent, find it. Yes. I was just curious and I went to my Stargate or my, my podcast aggregator mm -hmm. and I typed in the word Stargate and I hit search just to yeah. see what would happen. And walking through the Stargate is the second entry for me Ooh. in that list of shows. Oh, you see? So you see, it works, friends. It works. There you go. There you go. Um, so you know, by all means, please, uh, you know, like or you know, hit that uh, five stars. Do the things. And, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, write a review. And Engage if you write a review, mm -hmm. we will do a dramatic reading of it. Until such time as we have so many reviews that we can't possibly do them all, this we is will true. do them. Uh, uh, the, so, did we do one? We did one last week. Yeah, that's right. Week. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And we have another one to oh, do, yeah. uh, but it won't be today. Nope. Uh, because we did not have enough time to stretch our creative muscles, and we didn't want to strain anything. No. So, no. So, uh, but that is coming. That. Um, yes. So, thank you very much for that. Uh, and speaking of straining creative muscles. Oh, right. The website. <laughs> the website. <laughs> I had a week to get my act together and I, uh, you know, it's a nice sunny day today. That's real nice. Oh, right. Website. Um, uh, it's, <laughs> we're not there yet. Um, but we will be there and we're definitely going to be there in time for our hundredth episode. Uh, which is lots of fun uh, coming up soon, only four away. And also, Zach, if somebody's interested in uh, doing a little fun thing, what might uh, what might that thing be? 
Um, well, fun thing, like, like, ah, yes, sorry, I'm go. a little slow, uh, <laughs> because we jumped ahead, but that's oh, okay. Oh, did we? We'll go back. That's okay, oh, we'll yeah, go we back, we'll go back. Okay. We'll come back. So, uh, for the 100th episode. Yes. We need you, dear <laughs> listeners. In fact, I want you to stop the podcast right now uh, and it. do, well, well, not, okay, not yet, well, not yet. Yeah, Let me listen. explain what you gotta do, and then you can then stop, stop the podcast. Got so, it. this is what you need to do. For the 100th episode, we need you to help celebrate with us. And so, for that, we need you to uh, record a minute or so of audio that says what you love about episode 100 of Stargate. Uh, when was the first time you saw it? What did you experience? When was the first time you saw Stargate? Mm-hmm. And how does that play into uh, your world? Um, you know, when I say Stargate, what what kind of warm, fuzzy feelings does that create in the back of your mind? Uh, or whatever it is, uh, you know, share your thoughts. You know, how did you find our podcast? And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, you know, there are lots of options. Yes. So we need you to help us do that. And so right now, I need you to pause listening to this podcast <laughs> and record that right now. We'll wait. Uh-huh. Okay. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm so, and you know, Brent. Yes. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we invited people to pause the podcast and to uh, record a, a message for us. Yes. And in fact, um, I can't. I think it was Sean. I can't remember for sure. Somebody did. So it worked. Like exactly that. Nice. It did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he literally says at the beginning. So I was listening to Red Sky, and you told me to pause it and to record this. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's fantastic. Yeah. So be like Sean be and like do Sean. that. We'll give you another pause right now. Ready? Okay. Here you go. And okay. welcome back. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, for, yep. I'm so, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now that you have recorded that, you may be wondering where you can send it. Yes. What you can do with it. See, this is how I was going to come back around. To yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yes. Yep, I, yep, yep, yep. So <laughs> you can email it to us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-A. You know what it is. Can I try? Okay, let me try. Okay, here we go. Go ahead. That's... W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-E-A-T. No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it one more time. All right, try again. Because it's T-H-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H. That's the, that's the tough part. Okay. W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-A-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-A-G-E-A-T-E-A-G-E-A-T-E-A-G-E-A-G-E-A-G-E-A-G-E-
Um, and uh, oh, and just a quick note: uh, we do actually have a, a walking through the Stargate. YouTube channel where we put the promos <laughs> That's right. for that. I always forget about that. <laughs> um, and I don't really, you know, uh, highlight that too often. Uh, but it is worth noting that apparently somebody out there took Stargate Walking and made it their own channel and put a couple of videos there. That's not us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> But it is fascinating. That's um, a word. Yeah. So there you go. Um, if that's you, if you're listening to this and you are the one who made Stargate Walking, I would love to know. I just, I'm curious. You know, what's going on here? Clearly, you have listened to the podcast at least a little bit because you've <laughs> taken some of the audio from one of the podcasts that we have done and added it to a video with cats. Um, and so it's there. Supposed to say that's not us, um, but we are there. Um, you uh, look up "Walking Through the Stargate" and you should be able to find it. Yes. We have like thirteen or fourteen subscribers, which is cool. Hey, that's and nice. you know, every week you get a notification that says, "Hey, there's a new video." And what's that new video? <laughs> that new video I is guess, the promo. Uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't uh, try to. To, to pump it out too much. Also, we should make sure that we're not monetizing it because it's not our... Anyway, um, but there is creative I, yeah. license. So that, that's, that that's, that's sort of yeah. why I don't really say a whole lot mm -hmm. about it very often. Um, yeah. So... But, um, hey, there it is, though. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So, uh, and then, of course, we've got the Patreon. Uh, we do have now two episodes of The Other Side of the Gate. Yes. Uh, available to the patrons to listen to, and one episode of Stargate Second Chances, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. Mm -hmm. And that episode just dropped, what, last night, Brent? Is uh, that right? Yesterday morning, I think, sometime? Yesterday morning. Maybe it was the afternoon. It was yesterday. Yep. It was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So it dropped, and that was on a matter of time. Mm -hmm. We do have one more episode that we will be recording here um, at some point in time in the future. That'll probably mm -hmm. drop sometime in December-ish. Yep. yep. Ish, ish is, a, is a big word there. Uh, it's only three probably. letters, but it is a big word. Yeah. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> All right. And uh, so, Brent, would you mm -hmm. like to know where our episode rewatch uh, list is of uh, like the, the votes are yes all right so emancipation is still sitting there with one so you know <laughs> there you go <laughs> thank uh, goodness thor's chariot has uh -huh. 10 and thor's so we will be chariot. digging into that next yes! uh thor's chariot um bane got two votes this Heck month yeah so Woo! we get to watch that again and trust that Brent will see the light and recognize that it's just an acceptable episode and not the height of television. I might give it eight. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you will. Uh, <laughs> Touchstone has two. Forever in a Day has two. 100 Days has three. Uh-huh. Tangent has three. Mm -hmm. And 2010 has six. Ooh. So yeah, if gotcha. any of those hit 10 votes, we will do a rewatch of it and uh, we talk about that and those episodes will go to our Patreon listeners first Yep, and it'll go on to the main feed sometime in the future. Um, in the future. Sometime in the future. future. Yeah. That's how that'll work. All right. So uh, that is the Patreon. So. Yep. Uh, shall we, Brent, dig into 
this episode of The Tomb. The Tomb! Yeah. The Tomb! Let's get okay, into this it. Okay, this episode was directed by Peter DeLuise. Yeah. This is his fourth of eight episodes this season. Uh, did you see his cameo? I did not. I did not see his cameo. So Where his was cameo it? was a little bit hidden because it wasn't actually him. It was just his picture. When oh. they were at the conference table and they were showing pictures of the previous SG or the previous Russian team uh-huh. that uh, uh, went in there, he was the third of four pictures. Gotcha. And sneaky, some sneaky. those other pictures were also other people. Uh, one was Peter West, who uh, is I think a director of photography or something mm, like mm-hmm. that, and he will. Uh, I can't remember if he's directed anything now at this point in time, but he will, at least in the future, direct several episodes. Gotcha. Uh, I think one this season. Okay. Uh, and there were a couple other folks, and I can't remember who all they mentioned there. But mm-hmm. there you go. So that mm-hmm. was his uh, cameo. The teleplay for this episode is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. Mm-hmm. And I am pretty sure that it is Malazzi because that's what he said. On the commentary, he's like, hi, I'm Joe Malazzi, and I'm Paul Mully, so I'm yep. going to go with Malazzi. Yep. So, there you yep. go. That's that's it. So, and this is their second of seven episodes in the teleplay region for this season. They've got a couple more story credits, but I didn't count those in that seven. Um, and you need to look listen to our previous episodes if you want to know more about Joe and Paul. Yes. There you go. We got several of them. Now, we Almost have... 100. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we have several guest actors in this episode, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to talk about them at least briefly. Okay. We have Earl Pasco, who plays Colonel Zukov. Mm-hmm. He's an actor known for Battlefield Earth, mm-hmm. The Colony, and Land of the Dead. Okay. Uh, his first IMDb credit, according to IMDb, it was in 1989 when he played uh, Children of the Paradise Drums. And Children of the Paradise Drums is like the name of his character, I guess. I, I didn't look that closely, but it's huh. in a movie called Roadkill. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> there you go. But here's a little tidbit about uh-huh. Colonel Zukov. I mean, yeah. Earl Pasco, is that he was in an episode of Kung Fu The Legend <gasps> Continues. Oh! We haven't heard that name for a long, long time, but wow. I saw that and they had to bring it back. Of course. In 1995, he played Ramsden. In the episode Cruise Missiles of Kung Fu, the legend continues. Nice. Excellent. So, that's Earl. Uh We have Alexander Kalugin. Mm -hmm. I think I'm pronouncing. He plays Major uh, Sergei Valerin. Uh, I learned on the... the, uh, commentary that one of the, his jobs in this episode was to translate all of the English stuff into Russian so that when they were writing the script and whatnot, they would write the words in English yeah. and says, this needs to be spoken in Russian. And so he got to be the one to translate all of that stuff on the spot and then, you know, had to fix all of that stuff for, for that stuff. Yep. Uh, he's an actor and director known for Final Destination 3 and The Chronicles of Riddick. And then, of course, this episode. Mm-hmm. His first credit came in 1988 in the crime drama Ozhog. Hmm. It looks to be a Russian or maybe Eastern European movie, uh, but I didn't get any information else about that. So there it is. Gotcha. Okay. All right. 
we have, uh, we'll come back to Jennifer here. So we'll talk about Vitaly uh, Kravchenko. He plays mm-hmm. Lieutenant Marchenko. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in 1966 in uh, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was still part of the USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an actor known for The Chronicles of Riddick, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, mm-hmm. and The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus in mm. 2009. All right. His first credit came in 1990 when he played Slan in a made-for-TV movie drama, crime drama called Des- Deserter. Desertier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also... A, a non-English speaking either Russian or Ukrainian I don't know for sure it's hard to tell gotcha um, so now let's get back to Jennifer Halley she plays Lieutenant Tolinieva mm-hmm. uh, now she was born in 1971 she's an actress and producer she is known for Sarah in the Dark mm-hmm. Red Riding Hood uh, Sarah in the Dark in 2008 Red Riding Hood in 11 and Battlestar Galactica in 2004 hmm. mm-hmm. so uh, she um, plays uh, ends in Dana Hardball Celix in uh, Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Um, so you will have seen her in that, yeah. but you may not put all those pieces together. But she's there, right? I mean, she looks familiar. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, she's done. She was in I don't know a dozen episodes of, of Battlestar, maybe more. Yeah. Uh, I didn't look that closely. Uh, her first credit was in 1999 when she played Casey in the comedy romance movie Limp. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, now. <laughs> Haven't seen that. <laughs> we've actually talked about Jennifer Halley before, even though this is her first time on Stargate SG-1. Yeah. She uh, was the runner-up to play cadet Jennifer Haley. Ah, that's right. We talked about that. Yep. Yep. Uh, So she was going to play uh, Cadet Haley. Uh, In fact, the name of that character was originally Hallie. And then when this Hallie uh, auditioned for it, they decided they had to change it to Haley uh, for the show. Um, But Hallie here was uh, the... uh, the runner-up for that, and now I'm blanking on the woman's name who played. I don't Cadet remember Haley. her name either. Uh, it's there. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, now, originally, they were thinking that this was an uh, a character, you know, uh, a male character. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, and in fact, in the credits, it's listed as Lieutenant Tolanev. But. Uh, as uh, Russian works uh, to feminize a family surname, you add an A to the end of this. So mm-hmm. it should be Tolinyeva mm-hmm. uh, instead of Tolinyev. Uh, and for the most part, the actors actually do say Tolinyeva. Uh, but there are a few times here or there where it seems to suggest that maybe they're being lazy with their last A. It's hard. <laughs> but the credits have it as Tolinev, but it should actually be Tolinyeva. Gotcha. There you go. I see. And finally, mm-hmm. we need to talk about Gary Chalk, who plays uh, Colonel Chekhov. And you may not recognize, realize that his name was Colonel Chekhov because in this episode, he didn't actually have a name. But this is the uh, colonel at the end, of the Russian ah. colonel who was uh, giving um, the interviewing and debriefing uh, yes. Tolnieva. So he was born in 1952 in Southampton, England. Uh, mm-hmm. 
He is an actor known for Cold Squad in 98, Freddy vs. Jason in 2003, mm-hmm. and Beast Wars Transformers in 96. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been involved in two uh, cartoons that were either spin-offs or remakes of an earlier series. He provided the voice of He-Man in The New Adventures of He-Man. Oh, nice. And later he provided the voice of Man-at-Arms uh, in the version He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. And he also provided the, provided the voice of Optimus Primal on Beast Wars and later voiced Optimus Prime on Transformers Armada. Interesting. So he's done a lot of uh, that type of voice work. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the introduction of Colonel Chekhov. Um, and as you can guess, we are going to see him again. Uh, yeah. There, there were hints of that in this yeah. episode. Um, and in fact, we will see him later on this season, and he will be a recurring character for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll gotcha. have to deal with. Yep. Um, his first IMDb credit came in 1979 when he voiced uh, Captain Noah in the animated show Space Carrier Blue Noah. <laughs> Interesting. Is that supposed to be like some kind of arc? Uh, I, you know, sure. Space it, it's, it's carrier. Blue anyway. Nova. Uh, it it is. I think it's like a, a a Gundam cartoon. Okay. Um, you know, so it is that Japanese. Is it anime? Is that yeah? Well, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So uh, I I don't know my my Japanese animation terms very well. That's but, fine. Uh, there you go. So, those are our um, uh, guest actors. And nice. Of course we, since they Many. all had significant mm-hmm. roles, we needed to talk about all of them. And Absolutely. Yeah. The original air date for this episode was August 17, 2001. Number one on the charts in the U.S. was Fallen! Ah! Oh, sorry. Fallen by Alicia Keys. Ah! And in the UK, it was 21 Seconds by So Solid Crew. And, you know, if it was really so solid, they wouldn't have fallen for 21 seconds. Oh, hey yo. Oh. Oh. So, uh, so, yeah. Um, I don't... Uh, 21 Seconds by So Solid Crew. I have no frame of reference anymore. I'm so losing my bearings. This is definitely the time in life where I was not paying any attention to pop music at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, earlier when we were doing this, Zach, I was like, yeah, that song, this song, that song. Well, I'm really losing touch hard yep. right now. So, so no idea. So this is this is the time in my life. Well, I mean, A, I'd never really listened to pop music, as we can tell. Um, but I would have, uh, I graduated about a year and a half uh, ago at yeah. this point in time from college. And so I was in the middle of, you know, doing all sorts of you know, starting out in life type of things. Yep. And listening to pop music was not one of them. Nope. Not at all. All right. Anyway, it's been playing. So, uh... Ah, okay. Well, I only have 21 seconds. So I have to get through the box office really quickly. American Pie 2, Rush Hour 2, Rat Race, The Others, The Princess Diaries. Did I make it? You did it. (sighs) You made it within 21 seconds. Good job. Well done. Good. All right. So, those... Oh boy, <laughs> that's fantastic! I'm th- I I find it fun that uh, yeah. So American Pie two, Rush Hour two, Rat Race. Oh, I remember Rat Race. I didn't see it, but I remember it now. 
the others in the princess diaries yeah that's largely the same as it was last time yeah um you know four of the five were on last week and two of them three of them were in the same position as last week yep yep there you go rat race is new and princess diaries just dropped a couple of spots yep there you go so what was happening in the middle of august 2001 Mm -hmm. honestly not a whole lot Mm mm-hmm on August 19th, a couple of days after this episode aired, several things were going on. The PGA Championship Men's Golf uh, Tournament was happening at the Atlanta Athletic Club. David Toms wins his first major title by one stroke uh, against uh, Phil Mi- uh, Mickelson. Mickelson? Mm-hmm. Mickelson. Yep, Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. Mickelson. Mm-hmm. Um, also on that day, the Canadian Open Women's Golf Tournament was happening at mm-hmm. Glen, uh, Ang- Angus Glen uh, Golf Club. And... Annika uh, Surenstam mm-hmm. wins by two strokes against Kelly Robbins. Mm-hmm. And finally, also on August 19th, mm-hmm. the German Ferrari driver Michael Schumacher wins mm-hmm. the Hungarian Grand Prix at the Hungarian uh, to clinch his fourth <laughs> F1 World Drivers Championship and equal Elaine Prost's record of 51 Grand Prix victories. Nice. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Sporty sports. Sporty sports are happening. Yes. All right. Now, some trivia about this episode. Yeah. So if you noticed on the Russians, Russian shoulders, Russian soldiers, shoulders. Ah, yes. There we go. The shoulder shoulders. Yeah. There appears to be what looks to be like a three and then a B and then a one. Yes. Um, now these are Cyrillic letters for Z, V, and one, um, and oh. which stands for Zyodzny Vrata Odin. Okay. My sister took Russian. I took German in high school. So, you know, in any case, that transliterates as stargate one or sg1 so you have the the the, our heroes which are sg1 and now you have the russian sg1 the russian sg1 yep Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep interesting Um, so colonel Chekhov appears for the first time in this episode we mentioned that he's gonna return Mm -hmm. later in later seasons and uh be kind of the the russian face for a long time for the sgc um his name is not given in this episode, but we do learn it in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the name is an homage to Pavel Chekhov from yes. Star Trek. Nice. You know, obviously. Uh, Marduk is the ghoul bad guy of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was first mentioned by name in Thor's Hammer mm. as the ghoul who took Kendra from her homeworld. Hmm. Yeah. So we, took, we heard that, and uh, yes. then... We have this. So, there you go. Um, I suspect we've got some some timeline issues going on there because if he has been in this sarcophagus for two or 3,000 years right? Um, and he was the one that took Kendra from her home, then she must have lived for a really long time as a Gua'uld. Which um, is possible. Which, which is possible. Um, you know, so... You know, it, 
it's it's not impossible, but there you but go. But also, there's there's probably some Stargate magic involved there. We uh you know, we know that uh that time travel that you know, you can you, you can you can bounce around in time with the Stargate too. Right. Um so and and of course, uh part of what's going on here is Marduk is one of the main gods in uh Babylonian uh mythology. Mhm. And the name Babylon actually means gate uh, of the gods or something to that effect. Yeah, which I did not um, appreciate. And they, they mentioned that here. Yes. And and so this is actually something that, that Joe and Paul were wanting to do for a long time. Um, and so then they finally got an opportunity here to bring in the Babylonians because if their na- the name of Babylon actually means gate of the gods, then that just sort of fits into this really yes, quite nicely. Uh-huh. Um, and so they did that. Um, I suspect since Joe and Paul were not on staff when Thor's hammer uh, was written, Uh, they may or may not have fully grasped that that name had been pulled earlier, but I don't think it matters. So there you go. Um, Also, um, so the Russian troops are all wearing black berets, which indicates that they were probably naval infantry, which Mm -hmm. is uh, roughly equivalent to... Marines in the U.S. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Uh, and this episode won uh, a Leo Award for the best production designer in a dramatic series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard Huddleston, Bridget McGuire, Britton Heron, Ivana Vasek, Doug McLaren, Doug, Doug McLean, uh, Mark Davidson, and Robert Davidson uh, got that award from that. Nice. Team. So there you go. Well done, them. Also, so I mentioned that um, the idea of doing this episode was something that was kind of in the back of Joe and Paul's heads for a while. And when they first kind of thought the idea, uh, it came back to, yeah, that's too expensive. We can't build that set. We can't do it. Um, And so, however, this set, um, we've seen this set before. Oh. And perhaps you didn't realize it. No. But when this set was used before, it was not a tomb. It was not a pyramid, not a ziggurat. It was, in fact... A mothership. Oh! This was the mothership that was used in uh, Enemies, that was built for Enemies, and, and that whole series at the beginning of the season. The uh, end of last I season. see. Gotcha. And so after they built that huge set for that... Yeah, they just redressed um, it for They're this like, one. oh, nice. hey, we can redress it for this. And yep. they did an amazing job on it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, here's a quote from Joe. He says, mm-hmm. the set for this episode was impressive as hell. And to this day, I regret not having helped myself to a faux stone before the whole thing was torn down. One of the critiques directed at this episode was Jack's old world, cold world, so was Jack's old world, cold war mentality mm. directed at the Russian team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this kind of mystified me because it was a cl- pretty clear in the episode that Jack did not have a problem with them because they were Russian. He had a problem with them because they were operating under secret orders that seemed to run counter to SG-1's mission. The fact that they were Russian was beside the point. Mm-hmm. So, that's uh, Joe's comments and thoughts on this episode. Yeah. Now, there you go. I looked up what the name of this episode is in other languages. In French, mm-hmm. they call it mm-hmm. the tomb. In mm-hmm. Italian, they call it the tomb. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, they call it the tomb. Mm-hmm. In Czech, they also call it the tomb or yeah. in the tomb. Hungarians, oh, okay. they call it the tomb. Yeah. And I want you to guess, dear Brent, what do they call this episode in German? 
they call this episode in German, um, they call it uh, Martok's Return. Marduk. Oh, whatever. Sorry. Martok is a Klingon from Deep Space Nine. Well, I, totally different. I, I, get my, I get my characters mixed up sometimes. It, that's fine. Marduk's uh, fact, Return. They call it, they they call call it it's Marduk's episode, fault. No, no. Okay, so they call this episode The Tomb. Ah, nuts! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Germany. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Although, you know, I, I should probably pick my side on this one. Either I'm annoyed that they keep giving away the plot, or, uh, uh, and therefore I'm happy when they don't, or I'm annoyed when they uh, stay on point and do not give away the plot. So maybe I'm just... So, so you, I, I think you can straddle that fence there yeah and and you know because i i don't i just find it fun uh that that there's this little quirk in the german titles that that seem to give some things away in the plot and sometimes (laughs) they don't um and and i found this to be just the perfect time to give you a little uh test there because (laughs) just to see (laughs) nice well done all right, so are you ready for the synopsis for the tomb? Yes, let's dig into this. Get it? All right, dig into this. Dig Get into it. it. Ah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Okay. Why are we hanging out at the door of this pyramid, cigarette? No one's been at this pyramid for thousands of years, cigarette. It's a temple, not a tomb. It's a cigarette, not a pyramid. So why did we call this episode the tomb? Uh, guys. I found some Russian cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Back at the SGC, the team discovers that while the Russians had their Stargate program up and running, they too had some clandestine excursions through the gate, not wholly sanctioned by their Stargate leadership. And now we have discovered that at least one of those clandestine teams never quite made it back home. Hammond informs SG-1 that they will be joined by a Russian team to go back to the pyramid. I I mean, Ziggurat, to search for the missing Russians. Jack hates the idea of working with a team outside the SGC chain of command, but his objections are overruled. They meet the Russians, Colonel Alexei Zhukov, Major Sergei Valerin, Lieutenants Tolonyeva and Marchenko. And after a mission debriefing led by Dr. Jackson, we learned that the original Russian team was searching for the ghoul temple of Marduk uh, for a device called the Eye of Tiamat, a supposedly very powerful relic. Back at the door of the ziggurat, Jackson struggles to decipher the Babylonian puzzle to unlock the door. O'Neill threatens C4, but Jackson stops him and finally gets the door open. They cautiously enter the dark labyrinthine tomb. The group splits up. SG-1 plus Marchenko goes this way. Russian SG-1 plus Tilk goes that way. O'Neill's team discovers the remains of the original Russian team, or one of them, at least. His flesh was apparently eaten clean off his bones. Tiny little teeth marks all over them. Ew. The Russian SG-1 team finds a room with a sarcophagus, not unlike the many sarcophagi that we have seen in other places, but this one appears to have been sealed from the outside before the OG Russian team cut it open with a torch. 
O'Neill orders Zukov to hold his ground, but Zukov continues his exploration of the room of the sarcophagus, and in so doing, he sets off a trap, making the entire complex rumble and shake. It feels as if the whole building will collapse on all of them. Both teams bolt to the front door, trying to escape. As they arrive, the door is closing in on them. Marchenko springs into action, trying to hold the door open for the rest of the team, but his efforts fail, and he is crushed by the door and falling to breeze. He died. No! And And they're trapped. Now trapped inside, they have another mission objective. To escape. The team examines the sarcophagus closer, eventually forcing it open. They find the skeleton of a former Gould system lord. And they find the remains of Marduk. His bones show the same teeth marks found on the Russian corpse they discovered earlier. Someone sealed Marduk into the sarcophagus with a creature meant to eat him again and again and again and again for thousands of years. Clearly, when the OG Russians came through, they let that creature escape and it eventually killed them. Oh no! The team split up into pairs to search for this creature, while Daniel stays behind to study the writings on the wall of the room. Major Carter and Lieutenant Tolonyeva are attacked by the creature. Tolonyeva is bitten. The creature is venomous, and Tolonyeva will die soon if they can't get her to the SGC. That said, Carter seems to have injured the creature, so that's a good thing, right? Probably. But what's not so good is that Sam sensed the presence of a Gua'uld in the creature. Marduk is not dead. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, good. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) While all this is happening, Zukov discovers another OG Russian. Along with the gnawed bones, he finds a journal, and he finds the Eye of Tiamat! Ha-ha! He secrets the large disc into his backpack while no one is looking. Ooh-boo! Back in the sarcophagus room, Daniel and Valerian stay behind to continue research and care for Tolineva. While looking over the journal, Daniel sees a drawing of the Eye of Tiamat and wonders if Zukov found it. Zukov states that he only found the journal. Not the actual eye. Liar! Sam and Till continue their search for Marduk, the Marduk creature, while O'Neill and Zukov do the same in a different direction. While they're out and about, Valerian hears some noises from down the hall and goes to investigate, leaving Jackson and Tolineva alone. That's right, you go down the dark, scary hallway alone, and I'll stay here in the dark room alone. Sam and Teal'c, in their search, find the dead body of the creature. Sam's attack on it earlier must have injured it too badly for the ghoul to heal. But upon further examination, they discover that the creature no longer has a symbiote inside it. Marduk is now inside one of the team members. Oh no! Relaying this information, O'Neill and Zukov immediately point their guns at one another, fearful that the ghoul is in the other one. Stuck in a standoff. They wait. We then see Major Valerian open a secret panel and pull out a Karakesh. Oh no. Sam and Tilk return to Daniel and confirm that he is not a Gua'uld, which is good. Daniel has discovered that there is likely a ring transport in the room, which is also very good. They can escape. 
And so they set about searching for it and, in fact, finding it. Still stuck in a standoff, O'Neill and Zukov witness Major Valerian enter. Zukov tells Valerian that O'Neill is a Gulwuld. O'Neill quips that the Gulwuld could just as easily be inside the Major, and the Gulwuld chooses that exact moment to reveal himself. You're right, Colonel O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> Raising the Karakash, he attacks O'Neill, tossing him to the ground, and then turns his attention to, to Zukov. He knows all about the secret orders to find the Eye of Tiamat, and he wants it. Zukov admits to having found the Eye, and slowly pulls out an object and tosses it to Marduk. But it is, in fact, not the Eye of Tiamat. It is, in fact, a grenade! Boom! O'Neill is able to successfully escape the blast and the ensuing roof collapse. Unfortunately, Zukov doesn't make the save and takes too much falling debris damage to survive. Marduk is also buried. The rest of the team find the rings. Tilk even finds the control crystals. Jack arrives, and after confirming that he's not a ghoul, they tell him of their escape plan. Uh, Jack's fine, by the way. Just, just saying. But before they go, O'Neill has one more thing to do. As they get ready to leave, Marduk shows up, because of course the bad guy is never dead the first time you kill him, to threaten his revenge with Jack. And with he threatens his revenge, and Jack tells the Gulwuld that you bad guys always say that. As the ring transporter dematerializes the four members of SG-1 and Tolineva, Major Carter activates a 10-second timer on a large quantity of C-4. The blast envelops the entire room, killing Marduk and collapsing the already unstable tomb on top of him. Back on Earth, in the SGC briefing room, Lieutenant Tolineva the sole surviving Russian from the expedition confirms O'Neill's account of what happened during her debrief with her superior. Colonel Chekhov, that is to say, her superior, suspect, suspects that there's more to the story, and he's also very disappointed that the Eye of Tiamat was not recovered. Jack tells him not to expect another joint mission, but Chekhov retorts that the SGC in fact should expect many more encounters with the Russians. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The tomb. What'd you yeah. think? Um, well, I'm glad that you pulled that uh, Joseph Malazzi quote talking about, uh, you know, what he viewed as a motivator for Colonel Jack O'Neill and what was not a motivator. He, after all, was one of the co-writers of this particular episode. If anybody on planet Earth knows what was going on inside Jack O'Neill's head, other than Richard Dean Anderson, it would be Joe Malazzi. True. That said, I wish I was the kind of person to get into an argument with the creator about what his or her thing was really going for, in this case his, um, because I'm like... I uh, I think that uh, I think that that simplified simplified read on that relationship. <sighs> it's good that that I learned that I wouldn't have guessed that without him saying it, without Joe saying it. Um, mm -hmm. The th that also kind of sort of set the tone for my enjoyment of this particular episode because, uh, it was. I got to the end of it and I was like, all right, well, that happened. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, 
I didn't know that we were going to have more. I mean, it was clear that the colonel, that the that the Russian colonel at the end was implying that this isn't the last that we'll see of the of the Russian uh, uh, involvement in this program yet. Um, you know, which probably should have tipped me off that we're going to be seeing a whole bunch more. Um, but you know, I mean, like within the context of this one particular episode, without seeing the rest of it, I'm like, okay, all right, well, there there that is. And yeah, we did have that. Um, that episode before where the Russian team absconded with a Stargate at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and set up their own their own uh, uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. But the international relationship dynamic at that point, I mean, even I, I even think in the episode Watergate, they made sort of an allusion to, you know, that the Cold War is over, basically. I, maybe not, but um, that episode set the stage which said that the animosity between the united states and russia is still technically a little bit there um that uh you know it's not to the it's not anywhere close to the degree that it was between the united states and the uh and the ussr but uh that you know there's a little bit of uh, of suspicion that all that happened is just you know a changing of the guard so i have a quick question Mm -hmm. for you and I don't know the answer to this off the top of my head. I could Google it. When did Putin take charge in Russia? He was elected president in like 2000, 2001. Right around there somewhere. So he would have been right at the same time as this. Correct. And there was, I think, somebody before him who wasn't Yeltsin, but I could be wrong about that one. It could be Yeltsin right. and Putin, but I can't remember if it was Yeltsin, somebody else, and then Putin. But it was so, right, right around now. You know, when... My recollection is that, and this is certainly true today, that uh, Putin's rise to leadership in Russia definitely tanked uh, any hope that Russians and Americans could uh, be um, not antagonistic toward one another. Correct. Yeah, in the Um, 90s, we were real optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the wall came down in what, 80, 89, Mm -hmm. 89. Um, and so there was a decade, uh, I remember in college, we had a Russian foreign exchange student who acknowledged that their economy was absolute crap at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and it sounded like she was, you know, thankful to be able to be, uh, in the U S you know, studying. Um, and and of course, you know, Putin coming in onto the scene, um, you know, it it's a different mentality now, or even twenty years yes. ago with Putin than it was yes. during the Cold War. Yes, but the antagonism is still very much there. And so, like, it makes me sort of think to myself, like, I I I understand why we are. You know, I respect how uh, Malazzi and Mully would be choosing the Russian Stargate program to reintroduce this sort of this this part of this international partnership dynamic because that was already previously established. Mm-hmm. And um, but, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, picking a nation state on which we were in good terms with to uh, to shift the um suspicion away from them as Russians into them as clandestine agents 
uh, might have been better done with a different nation. You know, sure. like, you know, if if we if we had a, let's pick on, you know, another another nation that we like to pick on a lot, which is France. Like if we had a joint operation with France, like you could you could make some hard, hard jokes about them being uh, Frenchmen, uh, but then you could pivot into, uh, you know, what you're actually um not happy with is the the secretive nature of the thing not that they are representing the french national interest you know like that would be a little bit of an easier sell but it's not it's the russians um and so on that respect i'm like eh, i don't know i mean okay i'm glad you spelt it out exactly but i'm not exact i think i disagree that it is obvious it's not obvious that jack is uh, upset because of the clandestine nature of the secretive nature of the of the Russian orders, it comes across as that he is uh, not exactly happy with working with the Russians. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, having watched this many times, mm-hmm. um, I always chalked it up to, um, you know, I mean, O'Neill has been a uh, black ops operative in the U.S. Air Force, in this mm-hmm. case, for decades now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so he certainly, you know, he, he was in Iraq several times, but mm-hmm. almost certainly uh, it, he at least went through training during Cold War tensions. Oh, yeah. And he certainly experienced So I always read it as he has some lingering issues, and we know that he has lingering issues from his past. Yes, I always read it as he has some lingering nat- native distrust of Russians. And we saw that actually in Watergate as well. Yes. That he has right. distrust of Russians. Yes. Um, Warranted or not, that's kind of beside the point. Like his motivation it, it, yeah. seems to be old guard in this case. And, and you know, to me, I'm like, okay, well, that's just part of O'Neill's character. And that's one of his, for lack of a better term, flaws. Right. That he needs to get over. And, yes. And personally, I'm okay with that. Um, the idea that, I mean, certainly uh, he was torqued off that they had, you know, um, you know, I mean, his, his big deal was clear chain of command and we have a singular goal. And clearly they were not following the chain of command uh, and they did not have a singular goal. Mm-hmm. And those things definitely torqued him off. But there was, I think, some, from my perspective, there was some animosity going on here beyond just simply they have secret missions. Right. Right. Um, because it's not until, you know, three quarters of the way through the episode that it is, in fact, confirmed that this group of Russians has a secret mission. Oh, well, even within the context of the first part, like at the very beginning, I got um, thrown off on what I thought was going to be the twist. Um, in the very in the briefing room, when we first meet the Russian team, uh, the Russian colonel... Uh, you know, the, the once uh, like the mission is described or something, I think uh, Hammond offers the Russian team uh, a moment to rest and maybe grab a bite to eat. Oh, and yep. the and the colonel says, um, um, "You know, we already. How did he phrase it? We've already eaten and rested. We're ready to start. Something no, to that effect. No, um, that is the effect. But that clarification came from the." Uh, major standing next to him in a hurried fashion. Mm. The words that the colonel chose sounded alien. And, um, you know, fortunately we have already taken, you know, we've, we've, we've already, he didn't say we've already eaten. He, he phrased it in a very peculiar way. And, and then the major hurriedly, uh, 
clarified. And that dynamic right there got me thinking to myself, oh, at the end of the episode, we're going to see that that colonel is actually, uh, you know, some, you know, other species situation. That's where we're going to go with this episode. Hmm. And, uh, and it kind of played that way. Um, pretty much right up until, uh, Martuk, not Martuk. I keep screwing it up. Marduk. Marduk. Quack, quack. Marduk. Um, or perhaps Marduk. Marduk. Uh, the Duke of Mar. Um, uh, <laughs> when when Marduk shows up at the end, you know, like, it in fact is me. Ha ha ha. So, all right. I'm dancing around it because it's Joe Malazzi and Paul Mully, and they are deep, uh, you know, they, they are great writers in this story. And I'm dancing around it because it's Peter DeLuise, and he's a great director. But, okay, let me just go straight at it. I thought this story stunk. Like, I thought it was uh I thought it was weak. I thought it was slow paced. I thought it was vaguely pointless. I thought it was circular. I thought that it didn't really show us anything. But I'm glad to know that it appears to be the opening scene in something, right? It appears right. that this wasn't intended to be uh an open and shut story as much as it was a set the scene story, which is okay. I just didn't pick that up. Sure. Um and so because I wasn't picking it up, I was sitting there just like watching these guys fumble around uh, with a plausible situation and a bunch of uh, uh, solutions that kind of basically hurriedly showed up. Um, and what do I mean? I mean, like, okay, so the ghoul, lar- the, 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 the snake dude jumped into the body of the munchy munchy um, creature. Um, a- a- an interesting uh, element which either should have been known by the Gould as a possibility, so why did they do that? Or it wasn't. Well, okay, and- so so keep in mind that the ones who did that to Marduk were not other Gould. They were his priests. So they were humans. And they probably didn't even know that there was a Gould inside of this Marduk human. Fine, It was yes. just that guy. And so the munchy munchy on- creature came from that planet, I guess? Presumably. Okay. Uh... You know, all of this was an homage to the mummy from 1999 when, you know, you've got the bugs that are tossed into the, the mummy's That's right. sarcophagus. That's right. So anyway, so, so the so the Gould, the creature, go, the Gould goes into the munchy munchy creature and is sit there for a while, blah, 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 pops out. Great. Munches, munches some Russians. Got it. Um, uh, that it went into a little cocoony thing and then emerged shortly thereafter. And attacked our friend, attacked our heroes and our friends, and then ran off. When we finally caught the munchy munchy dude and killed it, when we when we cut it open and we're like, oh no, no Gould in here. I was thinking there are more than one munchy munchy. I was thinking it went to a different munchy munchy. Like this is not hmm. the one you're looking for, or it's the one that got injured and it went to a different munchy munchy. I did not immediately presume it went into a person. That's where the team went. That's where the story went. That's fine. There we go. Here we are. But, you know, that one was like a, oh, oh, okay. All right. So that's not where we're going. Around that same time, that's also where I was like, oh, gotcha. You know, um, Colonel What's-His-Face is not uh, a ghoul-wooled, you know, know, spy, basically. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Uh, Indeed, he really is exactly what he said he was, uh, even though he's sneaky-sneaky with the eye of Tiamat. Um, so that one was also a bit of a, oh, okay. I guess that was 
just that and nothing more. Um, we get Daniel Jackson, the nerd, being a nerd throughout the whole episode, which is okay. But, you know, his entire role in this episode was just to look at hieroglyphs and try to come up with 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 um, deus ex machina at the most at the at the at the, at the right time as illustrated by the second that da- that uh, O'Neill threatens to blow up the door when they're trying to get in that's when Daniel figures it out that that's how you get in and i get it hand wavy story you know i'm not going to beat it down too much but it, but that wasn't particularly satisfying it just was um and Carter and Teal's sense of a ghouled presence is important to the understanding of the story no question but it also kind of felt like okay well that that was so it was 40 minutes of a bunch of okay that happened okay that happened okay that happened nothing felt like a twist nothing felt like a um big reveal not even the reveal of marduk when he shows up it was really rushed Colonel, what's going on in this situation? Blah, expedition. I think there's a gold around here. You are right. Boom. I mean, it was like instance. (laughs) (laughs) And insult to injury. uh, Adding credence to my uh, annoyance that. Uh, the ghoul are literally the worst bad guys in television is once again a major deity in ancientdom in ancient history in the person uh, the personage of, of Marduk was blown up by C4 <laughs> like, it is literally the exact same solution path we have taken with what three out of five ghoul deaths so far um maybe not exactly but like many there have been there have been many a ghoul who are completely undone because of plastic explosives (laughs) even the and maybe that one was particularly poignant at the end because it was literally the solution that was proposed at the beginning like you know Hmm. how we just blow our way you know just blow our way up into the thing and 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 so it's a it's a harping point for me about like how funny that is that that's that's their that's where they go to when they're trying to come up with a solution is blow the thing up um and there you go it's how did you how'd you get past it you only blew it up um so start to finish the whole thing was kind of like oh are we gonna go here with it oh i guess not are we gonna go there with it oh i guess not are we gonna go here with it i guess not and it added itself up things i did enjoy i really enjoyed the lighting I'm not being facetious. Mm-hmm. Like it was really well lit and I can definitely see how it won or an award for its design, uh, the set design, because that was, that was great. The set was fantastic. Very interesting. Um, you know, I'll use the word luscious, even though that's not quite the best word, uh, but just like so much detail. Like there was lots in there that I was like, Ooh, I want to know right, more about right. that. Yep. So, and the acting of course was really, really good. Broadly speaking, the guest actors were doing great in some cases. Um, uh, Jennifer Halley, her role was so minuscule. Um, I hardly view that as a concession to uh, pl- getting, you know, runner up to the Jennifer Halley character or Haley character from several episodes ago. Um, you know, she was just there just to run around and get knocked out and then lie down for half the episode. And, and then she had a the bigger end. role than Marchenko. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> his, his fate was to get squished. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right in that respect, but I mean, it wasn't that good. Um, right. So I feel bad for thinking so poorly of it, and I'll let you tell me what you think about it. But 
the only reason I feel bad about it is now I know who was involved with it. If I didn't mm. know that, I'd be just ripping this thing to shred. Or I probably would be ripping it to shred. Okay, I've bagged it enough. What did you All think right. about this? So, um, this is an episode. It's you know it it's well acted uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Marduk is a little over dramatic. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, I mean, in terms of tactics, walking in there and says like, <laughs> like the ghoul yes. is in him. And he's like, no, it's not. It's in me. Ha-ha. I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, you know, you can play that up there and you could get the information that you're looking for far better than just playing your bad guy card right then. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's what it is. Um, you know the 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 set and and that is wonderful as you mentioned um for me this is an episode that uh sets up so like we we were introduced to the russians uh in this series basically with watergate right right and we learned that in watergate the russians um have the other stargate uh, that they learned about some of this stuff with the because they had the DHD from um, the Germans who had taken it back in World War II area, mm. uh, right? And so the Russians have that there. Um, they have a Stargate. They have an interest of getting this power, uh, getting these this equipment, but they also don't seem to have a lot of interest in um, running a program themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all sorts of things going on there. Uh, but since Watergate, uh, we haven't really heard anything about them. We haven't really seen much about them uh, until we get to this episode. And this is an episode that, uh, as I kind of alluded to before, sets up the Russians as a greater player in the Stargate universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. That's all it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Let me see. Yeah, all right. So, uh, the Eye of Tiamat will be mentioned again in a future episode. Uh, okay, good. Um, but uh, I- I'll say that because it's not really a big spoiler to anything significant. So I, I can say that. I believe that. Uh, you know, there, I I I think I could go to bat a little bit of a. It's 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 a it's a little spoilery just because at the end of this episode, I'm being led under the impression that that temple is, is destroyed. Yeah. It's a little spoilery, but it, it I, I, I'm not, no, I'm not concerned. You know, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're fine. We're fine. I um, would rather that this episode matter, <laughs> meaning these things come back. I would rather that this episode matter than not. So that's, that's good to know. So, I mean, the, the single biggest thing in this episode that matters is um, the Russians are are on in this game. They're, yep. They are, you know, it's not like they just sat down at the chess set and then stood up again later and then walked away. Uh, they're still sitting at the table. They're still moving pieces around. Gotcha. They're still playing. And you yep. have to pay attention to that. That's yep. what this episode sets up. Yep. And we will see that as the series progresses. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um. That's what this episode does. Um, it does set up. Uh, it 
it highlights once again that the Gould were involved in uh, more than just Egyptian mythologies. But we yes. already knew that from before, but this just highlights it once again. Yes. Here's another one. Um, in this case, uh, Babylonian. So that is what this episode reminds us of. Uh, that's an issue that, uh, a, a reality that will come back. Uh, we'll see that again as the series progresses. Um, is that a spoiler? Not really. Um, it just, just kind of highlights that again, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's what this episode does. That's it. Um, in One. fact, when I was watching the uh, commentary, uh, they had this idea of going into a tomb and, you know, meeting a ghoul who was stuck there and, you know, something to that effect. But mm-hmm. it was an idea. It wasn't a full story. Right. And right. so they didn't know, you know, so they just kind of sat that idea there and waited on it. Uh, this- and it wasn't until the idea of the Russians came into it that says, oh, okay, so if we bring in the idea of Russians into the story, you can merge these stories and tell something and make it viable. Um, I'm not, and there you have it. I'm not sure where where the breakdown is, honestly. Um, it does feel like we got some eggs and some sugar and some flour and some water and some oil and you know what i mean we, it feels like there were a bunch of ingredients placed on a table and tossed into a big bowl and then said and voila a cake um because yeah i see what you're saying the russians are reintroduced babylon is reintroduced uh marduk is it reintroduced in a way uh the eye of tiamat is something that is being uh trotted out as an important thing but oh yeah um the opportunity to uh have a horror story for an episode um oh yes yeah that was definitely one of the uh the the pieces in all of this yes um and they 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 went they went straight at that um that uh genre yeah um the opportunity to well no i mean that's still horror like the the, the gross out component of like the, the 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 nibbling alien the munchy munchy dude um you know ooh how, how terrifying is that um and and we had to have our heroes escape and we had to ratchet up the tension at points and so it felt very formulaic but not um but it didn't come together hmm. and hmm. Uh, I'm willing to, uh, you know, when, when we give our ratings, I'm going to come at it as, you know, like after I finished watching the episode, I felt a certain way. I'm going to keep going at that. Yes, I do allow the conversations to adjust my ratings a little bit. Um, but you know, I think it's important for me to be genuine to my first reaction on this one because the only way that this feels like it gets good is if I consider it in the context of a meta narrative and I don't know the meta narrative yet. So Right. right. There's that episode. Right. It just happened. And um, even with knowledge that there is a meta narrative that this thing is advancing, I'm still critical because I didn't get that understanding. And this is still a once a week episode or, you know, episodic television that's happening right now. It's not a situation where uh, 
they can leave it in something that resembles a cliffhanger, knowing that I will immediately hit the button that says watch the next episode, right? It's not an opportunity for them to pivot hard into explaining just what the heck went on right away because they right. know that most people are going to be watching it like that. No, they're, you're, you're, I'm going to be sitting for at least a week before they can they can advance it. And this was not a to be continued. So as far as I can tell right now, um, yeah, things happened, but I don't know if I care, right? Like we got to the end of this one and my heroes are safe and nothing seems to have changed with their stories. And there's a couple more, you know, there's, there's this, there's this vague illusion that there's a new player in the room, but I haven't really seen it manifested yet. After watching this one, I'm just not, I'm not convinced that I am on board with understanding that the meta narrative has been advanced. I'm just at the spot where, uh, some things happened and now what, right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of like, you know, sitting here like, okay, there, there you go. And that's a little disappointing. It's super disappointing right. knowing the, yeah. the people involved, for sure, which also makes me feel a little bad. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't know, man. So was this like, you know, was this a failing of the writing or was this a failing of the directing? Um, and in either case, it's like, okay, well, then who do I go at? Do I go at Joe and Paul or do I go at Peter? And then like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go at any of them. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good plan. They know what they're doing. Um and yet somehow I just wasn't, I mean, and that's also not to say that every effort of right. these people has to be I, a home run. I, like I maybe this is just a swing and a you know, miss. Your, your cake analogy is valid here um, in that I think mm-hmm. what you are articulating, and I don't wholly disagree with you, uh, is that uh, the, the je ne sais quoi, you know, that, that's something else. Mm-hmm. That that uh, makes you know movie or television magic isn't quite here for this episode. Uh, I mean, you've mm-hmm. got. I mean, it's not a bad script. Uh, it, it is it as strong no. as some other scripts we've seen. No, but is it a bad script? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit rushed because there's 42 minutes of television that they have to get through all of this stuff. Um, yes, but you know that's not. I mean, we've seen that before, so that's not really a big deal. It's well-directed. It's well-acted. The sets are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the special effects mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. are really quite good. Yes. Uh, I mean, the fact that at the end, when the explosion happened, and they had the 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 image of Marduk just kind of being, you know, chucked in the back and just, you know, tossed forward with the, the concussive uh, power of that blast was cool. Um, you know, uh, the... Yes, it was. The uh, the CG monster that Teal cuts into its neck uh, actually seems to work nicely. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, that was actually a piece of like meat, mm-hmm. like a steak or something that they had that he could actually work with. That uh, which helped to make that gotcha. Deal. And they animated around it, um, but you know, so like you know, that was good. The actors were, you know, all of these pieces were good, and you're like, well, if all of these pieces are good, surely. It's a good episode. And I think that there right. was just that something right. else, that little bit of movie magic, whatever yep. you call it, the TV magic, uh, that, you know, maybe maybe your your uh, baking powder was a uh, 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 little old and it didn't have the, the rising power in your, your cake as, as it needed to. Who knows? I don't sure. know. Um, I think that, I think 
from my perspective, as I look at it, I think that's you know the the that's something else that just ties everything together. Just didn't quite hit. And I'm bringing so I'm going to bring this thing back up again. We brought it up last week. I'm going to bring it up again. Okay. Um, I think it matters because um, surely at this point, the sci-fi deal has got to be either inked or getting close to inked because, well, maybe not. Okay. Um, okay. I, I do want to know this, but like in a very specific way, Zach, yes, yes or no, does the, um, does the Babylon Russian storyline uh, come to what could be viewed as a conclusion this season yet. We're running out of time. We're about halfway through this fifth season right now. Okay, so the idea specifically of Babylonians as gods is uh, a more generic way of looking at things. And so just remember that uh, Guawulds infested not just ancient Egyptians, but they infested Babylonians and and other gods. So in terms of the specifics of Babylon, uh, and that we have more or less come to the end of that, uh, they might pop up again. I can't recall specifically. Okay. Fine. Um, the issue with the Russians, uh, there will be more episodes this season with the Russians that will play a uh, role in things. Fine. So the reason why I kind of brought it to that sort of a heightened focused focus is because it's very peculiar to be introducing a new major part of the story when you think the thing is about to end. And um, maybe that's just me years later with many with many television series where um, I've enjoyed television story that is trying to tell one story. And therefore, they try to bring it to a conclusion when the series ends. Right. But with varying levels of success. And so this move to do a major story introduction in the middle of the last season, which, of course, we know it isn't. But from their point of view, might be the last season seemed peculiar unless, as I mentioned, the sci-fi deal is inked or about to be inked. And they actually are trying to um, inject new story into the series in order to propel it for a few more seasons to come or to you know give it give it a little bit more more breathing room to 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 have a little bit more interesting bad stuff to to chew on down the line so knowing that that this story arc can be viewed as attempting to come to a conclusion within this season uh indicates that indeed no they really were willing to just sort of say okay second half season 5 um stargate and the russians okay go um which is its own little thing. The reason why I'm bringing it up kind of like that is because um, this episode felt uh, forced. It felt like it was something that had to get written in order for other episodes to set up. But that seems almost like a waste of time. Like, I'm not well-versed with the politics of the creation of television content to the degree that I would be able to speak knowledgeably on it. Um, this very well may be exactly how these things are done. Like, you know, y- y- there's no way that you're going to realistically tell these th- four stories that you have uh, kind of cooking right now that are going to be really, really good, but you need to set up this in order for it all to happen. And so you need to spend time in a television show to do it. And the only way that you can do that is to kind of set it up like you did here. 
And that missing element is that nobody really cared, right? Not about this story. They cared a lot about those stories in our future, but this one just had to be told. We had to get through it. We had to get to the other side of it. Now it's done. Now we're able to pivot and bounce off of these ideas and we're going to be able to do X and Y and Z and they're and X and Y and Z are a lot of fun. Uh, but you can't do X, Y, and Z without having this thing set up. But Brent, today, having watched that, I'm like, uh, what? Yeah. Okay. What was that? In that regard, I would say that what you're witnessing here is... Um, so keep in mind, in 2001, we are still... And, and you know, frankly, SG-1 remains predominantly episodic, even as mm-hmm. it goes on and yep. the meta-narrative continues to develop, um, but uh, at no point in Stargate SG-1 do we get um, the type of singular storytelling that you get in modern-day yeah, right. shows. Fine. Um, you know, um, yep. even Babel- Battlestar Galactica, which is far more the, the singular story and whatnot, isn't really a singular story like you get in things today. Oh, gosh. You know, totally. even that was very, very episodic. Um, and one could argue even when it gets to the third and fourth season, it gets even more episodic. Uh, and then it kind of feels like it's floundering a little bit because it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Right. Um, uh, that's my critique of, of those seasons of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry for the, the digression. Uh, <laughs> but in this situation, um, you know, so this is always episodic and it plays... The, but it also recognizes that what happens now affects what happens later. Yeah. So one of the things that we're seeing here is that this is definitely an episode that sets up future things, which probably feels very off because um, that's not how right. SG-1 right. has been operating. Right. Um, you know, if you see an episode in some modern televisions today... Uh, that that does something like this, A, they'll be a little bit uh, better at it because they've had 20 years to practice and hone it. Yeah, true. But, um, so that's, there you go. Those yep. are my thoughts. Yep. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So. Yeah. Um, there, I think that's all. Yeah. I mean, kind of burnt out my little, like, you know, angry tan- temper tantrum. Why? That makes sense. Well, no, no, I mean it, it did not make sense. Then, anyway, yeah, uh, then it is that time. It is that time when that I time. look yep. at you and I say, Brent, mm-hmm. how many chevrons does the tomb get? I didn't really like this one, um, which is unfortunate. Those were some high quality ingredients that got put on that table, as I mentioned before, before attempting mm-hmm. to make a cake. But it did not come together. And so um, I don't think I have to go on more about it. I think I'm just ready to say it's a three. It's a three out of seven. I might change my mind as time goes on. But right now it's like, I don't know. What what, what happened here? Okay, great. Sure. How about you? Well, um, after everything you said earlier, I was expecting something closer to a two. So the fact that you gave it a three, it makes it's- me... Two was in my mind, uh, knowing that it matters a little bit more boosted it, and knowing who was involved in the creation boosted it because I trust them now. Sure. Um. So 
I like you, I agree. I don't think I need to um really, you know, talk a lot about this. So I'll just uh say uh I think this is actually for me it's just a three and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's right in the middle. Um it it's it's not bad television. It's not great television. It's right. not bad SG one. It's not great SG one. Um if you didn't have this episode, uh, you would be able to understand stories in the future without knowing it. But knowing this kind of helps to set the stage for some things, which is valuable. Yep. So, you know, yep. this is this is to me an episode that is predominantly foundation work. Yeah. Which, um, you know, nobody ever sees the foundation of a building. Right. That's why they call it the foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's underground. It's it's beneath. The, you know, and you, you do need it to to build the structure. Um, but uh, you know, you don't always necessarily need to worry about what it looks like. Right. So. Yep. All right. Makes sense. We have some predictions. Excellent. I'm I am very interested about what people have to say about this one. Here we go. Okay. First one. JD. Hey, JD. JD says, I love this episode. I love it when Stargate plays in other genres, especially horror mm. or thriller. Yeah. I gotcha. would give the episode a six. I think Zach will give it a five for being fun, but not incredible in any other way, any one way. Brent will not like the continued devolution of the team as follows the rules I like. <laughs> but that may be offset by fun and having a new Russian team. If Brent is feeling charitable, it'll be a five, if not a four. Interesting. I believe in his love of lore over irritation of not following the rules. See, and that's extremely reasonable. I'm... Kvetching because I'm not yet seeing the lore yet. Hmm. Right? Got the Babylon yep. thing, but that sounds like it might be on its way out. But that's right. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but I'm just saying. Anyway, carrying on. All right. Now we have Sean. Hi, Sean. So Sean says, I quite liked this one. Mm, you discover okay. a ghoul can inhabit not only bipedal creatures, but others too. Yes. That's kind of a cool little thing. That's true. I'd like to see a ghoul and a jellyfish, he says. <laughs> Well, that would be interesting. <laughs> Whilst uh, it does have its plot holes, I like having the Russians back, albeit O'Neill's clear distaste for Russians is bordering racist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, six stars for me, six from Brent, and five and a half from Zach. Wow. So our People listeners like this, one. Like All this right. far more than, than you or I. Yeah. Uh, okay. We have Michelle Hi, coming Michelle. in here. And... I think this is Michelle's first time. Hey, so, welcome, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Can, thanks for joining us. Ooh, the episode with flashlights. <laughs> I like this episode. It had the adventurous Indiana Jones feel to it, just yeah. more military. I like that despite having a rough start, the Russian team ended up respecting SG-1 and vice versa in the end. I, I, I think that Tonyeva probably did. I'm not certain any of the rest of them did. Well, I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, the colonels may, maybe, uh, got to an agreement Zukov there, at the, did there yeah. at the end. I don't know. Anyway, she said, continues. Yes. I rated a six out of seven chevrons. Brent probably has the same. The whole remnants of the Cold War thing might push Zach's rating down to a four and a half. Hmm? Um, so. 
This is super interesting. I'm very interested in this. Like, people like this one. So this is your opportunity, folks, to uh, say more about this yeah. episode and why you think it's uh, as good as you think it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Because there was something in this episode that didn't quite sing with us. And, of course, that's that's the beauty of television is that you'll get episodes that really sing with some people and not with others yep. and vice versa. Um, and so there you go. I think what this proves, Brent, is that this is not a wasted episode, even if you don't think it's... Oh, 100%. Good. No, there's more often than not, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that my, uh, my unique uh, uh, understanding of the world is indeed unique. And unique. Yeah. Never mind. Anyway. Okay. We have one more prediction from David. <laughs> okay. Hi, David. David says, this is a Chevron encoding boo! Oh, uh, yeah. Bias buffer. Yep. A Russian Stargate team. Check. A new non-Egyptian Gubbald. Check. Mm-hmm. SG-1 to the rescue. Check. Mm-hmm. Relying on Daniel Jackson. Check. Yeah. Spooky monster. Yeah. Creepy Indiana Jones tomb setting. Check. Yeah. Stuff I can't talk about because of Brent. Yep. Check. <laughs> this had the potential to be a great episode. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But it did not quite bring it all home. Yeah. I enjoyed the rewatch, though, and it does have important plot points for many future storylines, some obvious and others not. So it has that going for it. As a first-time watch, though, it's just not top-tier Stargate. Brent, I'm tempted to say he'd give it a 7 for the monster in the tomb factor, but (laughs) I don't think it quite manages to make it to that level, so I say 5 chevrons. Yeah, yeah. And for Zach... Five chevrons as well, but I cannot give any specific reasons. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, so... I was a little harder on this one than that. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even, even, even I was harder on this than, than some would think I was. I'm glad to hear, so. though, that people look at this episode fondly. That, that bodes well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, you know, for me, and, it, and this, you get this mostly from from David's comments. There is that this is an episode that that to me, oh, I, I enjoy the horror. I mean, I'm not a huge horror fan, right? Um, and so this kind of plays into that horror genre, but doesn't do it in the grotesque way that often a lot of horror movies do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of get that horror quality without being especially horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'm fine with that, but it doesn't sing to me the same way. Uh, I like the Indiana Jones things, but uh, some of the, you know, it's fine. So, uh, but mostly this episode for me is an episode that sets up future things. And that's all that Yeah, I need to watch it for. Sure. Anyway. Hey, this is Brent from the future. Um, I am popping in because, well, I wanted to take advantage of the fact that I've discovered time travel technology and what better way to do it than to interrupt my own podcast because that's how that's how you use it right like you go back in time and you and you fix your things like forget changing world history you just make yourself rich isn't that how it that's next anyway um when we recorded we did not have the prediction from listener Stuart who came in and read and, and, and said this, I found this episode to be subpar. It feels like a repeat of the earlier Russian episode with an average Gould of the week tossed in. My guess is Brent three. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Zach, 3.5. Stuart, you did it. You got it exactly right. Congratulations. Oh, no, I'm getting sucked back through the time vortex. I should have been rich. Okay, Brent. Yes. Our next episode. Yes. Is entitled Between Two Fires. Mm Mm-hmm. And I ask you, what is Between Two Fires all about? <laughs> all right. I have an immediate thing in my head. I don't know if I can pull it off, though. Let's see if we can Let's see if we can do this. Okay, here we go. And Zach, you are almost certainly not going to get the reference, but that's okay. Okay. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. Indeed, it appears to be a situation where there is an enclosed space. Very dark, but for two seats, one on the left and one on the right. Sitting on the right appears to be a person of relatively comfortable... uh, This person looks like you may be able to approach this person. He sits there and looks back at them and says, Welcome, have a seat. At which point, Colonel O'Neill says, Fine, I'll do that. Colonel Neal sits down. And the person, the bearded person, looks at them and stares straight at them and goes, So how does it feel knowing that your son died with your gun? (gasps) This is uncomfortable. But somehow, people are chuckling in an uncomfortable way. (laughs) O'Neal is not pleased, but he answers in a straight fashion. Then the next question. So what's the deal with you and Samantha? Are you guys going to do it or what? (gasps) More uncomfortable laughter. Oh, I forgot to set up the scene. They're apparently in between two fires because what I'm trying to go for is Zach Galifianakis is between two ferns, which is entirely a setup where he asks very uncomfortable questions to people who are famous and Join us next time on Stargate SG-1, where we watch the SG-1 team get grilled by by a mysterious alien Galifianaki. <laughs> Stargate SG-1 between two fires. Now, 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 that, that almost worked. That almost worked. People who might be familiar with the show, which I haven't really watched much of, so I can't even really say anything about it, may have thought that I did an okay job there, but, um, nah, no. Okay. So, so, um, <laughs> so what do you think between two fires is actually about? Um, between two fires, they're going to go to a world. They're going to be meeting with some people. They are gonna, what's the problem going to be? The problem is going to be that this is a group of people who are about to be, their culture is about to be annihilated. And, uh, the SG one team is there to help. How's that? Okay. All right. Annihilating well, culture. Yeah. Are you ready to watch the promo? Yes, I am. Okay. I am hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. We should not mourn the passing of our friend Omaka as much as we should celebrate his existence. A death on Tolana leads to an incredible offer. You are referring to our policy of not sharing our technology I think renewing such a discussion would be better suited for another time and place. Followed hmm. by a dire warning. I'm sorry I was unable to tell you this in person. I do not know who I can trust. Before his death, 
Omak gave me a warning, and I believe it to be true. Earth is in grave danger. Who involved yourself in this when you sent us that warning? Warning you that your world is in danger is not the same as committing treason against my own government. What is the reason behind the mm. Tolan's mysterious change in attitude? What do you think you're doing, Narim? What do you think you are doing, gentlemen? It's all next time oh, on dear. Stargate SG-1. Oh. oh, boy. Okay. All right. We get the Tolan back. We get the Tolan back. And uh, maybe it's our civilization that's out on the brink of destruction. Oh, that could be. Yeah. But there's well, no Zach Galifianakis and there's no uncomfortable conversation where somebody makes nervous laughter. Oh, well, there's no Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I'll Between two let you fires. decide determine whether the rest of it is accurate or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, then that looks kind of exciting. Yeah. All right. Also, the special effects are really starting to pick up, man. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Liking it. Liking it. It's good stuff. Well, that is between two fires. Nice. Yep. Cool. I uh, do want to give a special thanks to David again Thank you, David. for putting yes. those promos together. I appreciate that. Brent does, and so does our listenership. Yep. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So this is an episode that clearly has different people thinking different thoughts about yes. it. So by all means, tell us what you think. Email us. Find us on, on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Uh, if you want to participate in the Patreon and listen to those episodes right away, go ahead and go to the Patreon and do all of that stuff. Um, yeah, all those fun things. It's good stuff. So with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.